So you're listening to Planted Never Buried, your one-stop shop for justice from Black Gen Zers. Randy had another commitment this week, so I am your guest host, Kayla Thompson. You heard from me in episode seven when Randy and I talked about athlete activism and representation, um, and I'm honored to be stepping in for such an incredible woman as Randy does what she needs to do. Um, today's episode is all about joy. It'll be a deep dive talking about how we love and celebrate ourselves, especially in regards to our blackness. And I'm so excited to talk through it with all of my four guests, whom I'll introduce shortly. Headlines are up next after the break, and we'll jump right into today's content. As always, you're listening to Planted Never Buried. Alright, some news from the past week. Monday afternoon, two Philadelphia police officers shot and killed Walter Wallace Jr., a black man. Walter was 27, recently got married, and he had seven children. He was killed in front of his mother and brother. (sighs) I hate this. Monday evening, Judge Amy Coney Barrett was confirmed to the United States Supreme Court just eight days before the election. She solidifies a 6-3 to three conservative majority under a president who has vowed to overturn the Affordable Care Act and the landmark Roe v. Wade decision that gave women the right to choose an abortion. And Thursday, news spread that Kenneth Walker, the boyfriend of Breonna Taylor, is being sued by Louisville Police Sergeant Jonathan Mattingly, the officer who was shot that night. The lawsuit accuses Walker of battery, assault, and emotional distress, Yet Walker is a licensed gun owner, and he believed intruders had entered the home. Sheesh, that's a lot. That's all I could say about those heavy topics right now. But now, why you tuned in to Planet Never Buried today? Before diving in, I have to address the 2020 election. It's now days away. Early voting has ended, but you should definitely make a plan to get out your vote on Tuesday if you haven't done so already. This election season has been so difficult beyond explanation. But one thing that's made it a bit better is this group called Joy to the Polls. They've been rocking up to long lines of citizens and performing incredible singing and dancing. And it's incredible. You got to check it out. Shout out to these folks for sharing their light with us all. All right. Let's start with an excerpt from a poem by Alicia Harris. And the street corner will open up to me. And it will thank me for humming it, Aretha, and listening to its creases. Joy is not being in love and not being bitter. It is friendship. It is agreement. Joy is a Polaroid army crawling its way into life. It is a childhood gift-wrapped and returned to the Syrian orphan. It is being beautiful and not having have a man tell you so. It is finding yourself warm enough for these lonely winter nights. It is, it is finding yourself and finding yourself whole after so long. Okay. Joy, that's our topic today. Randy conveniently blessed me with the opportunity to um, host this podcast at the same time that we at the Black Future Project landed on Joy for our next volume. These days, Joy can be hard to find, feel, and maintain. But today, we're going to explore that a little bit, and I've invited some of my favorite Black people to chat about it. 
Each of these people has been important to me on my journey as a black woman. I met Nate in West Virginia when he welcomed me onto his project, Black Future, where we're using art to reshape the narrative about black people and celebrate black excellence. Blossom not only gifted me with my first dashiki, but she was also one of the few black people in my high school and the first in my life that I truly saw celebrate blackness. Gabe has been an important part of my experience as a mixed person grappling with black, with being black in a white dominated space while having the privilege we hold, having lighter complexions. Lastly, Halana has given me the privilege to love a black woman and y'all, that is special. Thank all y'all for being here. Welcome, welcome. Um, the way we're going to be in this space a little uh, today is in the structure of the circle process, which comes from cultural practices of the indigenous peoples of Turtle Island, or what many of us were taught to call it, North America. No, introduce, no introduction that I can do can serve these guests properly, so we'll do the first round of introduction. So you, you're hearing from, you know who you're hearing from, and we'll always pass with names before speaking. So please introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, where you're at. And uh, what's been bringing you joy this week? So I will pass to Nate to start. Hi. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Nathan Laweyolai. Um, my pronouns are he, him. Um, I'm originally from Ghana, moved to West Virginia in 2010. Um, and I've been there. I was there for nine years straight, well, actually eight years straight. And I went away from some... Um, internships and a few things and I left for a job in Florida and now I'm back in West Virginia working there. Um, I don't know if that answers all your questions. What brings, what's been bringing you joy this week? Um, actually being around my friends. Uh, so a few, a few friends of, of mine and myself got an Airbnb in Arizona and we decided to, you know, take a break and just kind of spend some time together. Uh, Working from home, you know, I'm very, very lucky to actually still have a job in this horrible economy, so I'm not going to complain about that. But, you know, the constraints of, of sharing a space that's supposed to give you some comfort as a workplace is, is kind of hectic. Um, and all of them were experiencing the same thing. So we decided to, you know, all meet up in Arizona, which where, that's where one of our friends lives as well. Um, just been spending some time in the house together. You know, it's cool, and obviously there's some biases going on as well. But mainly, the company is, is what we're here for. So that's brought me a lot of joy. It's it sparked a lot of new ideas. Obviously, about our new um, joy project that we're working on as well. So um, yeah, that would that would be what's brought me joy joy this week. Fascinator yeah. Blossom. <laughs> Okay, hi, my name is Blossom Marofokwa. I, I use she, her, her, hers pronouns. Um, I'm from, oh my gosh, my mom would be annoying about this question. I'm from Anambra State, which is in like southeastern Nigeria, but I'm currently in Lagos State, which is in the southwest. Um, and what brought me joy this week was the question, right? Okay. This week has been bro. Um, I'm like, what did uh, bring me to this week? Um, this, wait, 
probably. Um, I think, I, well, I could say we've been on curfew since like for two weeks ago, for two weeks or like a week and a half. So I guess I haven't been outside as much. But my auntie came today to my house. So that made me happy. Love that. Pass to Gabe. <laughs> um, I'm Gabe. Uh, I, my pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, I'm from the north suburbs of Chicago, and currently I'm at RISD. Uh, I'm a senior in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, and something that's been bringing me joy this week. Um, oh, well, I. I don't get to go outside a lot because I'm on Zoom all the time. Uh, and the weather has been kind of crappy this week. Went on a long, nice walk. Uh, I cast my ballot. And uh, just today has been a good day. It's nice weather. <laughs> and uh, We love that. Yeah. Pass to Alana. My name is Alana. And I have she her hers pronouns i am from the gold coast australia but i am currently in providence rhode island um and something that has bringing me joy this week is or are impromptu facetimes with my friends um that's been really great and it's usually them i need to get better at being the one to call but um like i had an impromptu facetime with my friend today and um yeah it just made me really happy so we love that um thank you all for introducing yourselves um yeah and so we're gonna do a couple rounds um and then we're gonna end with a little bit of an open discussion um so yeah uh let's start with how do we define joy what does it look and feel like um i can start us off i think joy is hard um, I always like think about it in contrast to happiness, like happiness happens like quickly. It's and if it goes quickly, joy is like, what's keeping me sane right now. <laughs> and like, what's still present, even when shit's tough. Um, I, this past weekend, uh, had to put my dog down and like, it was a joyful experience because, she was like so happy her last couple of days. She loves the vet, like what dog loves a vet, but she was like happy to be there. It was like a joyful experience, like wasn't happy about it, but um, yeah. So I think it looks and feels like um, it's warm. I don't know if, I don't know how to define like what it looks and feels like um, other than it just feels like right. And like you're doing what you should be and you are where you should be. Um, but I'll pass to Nate. That's a, it's funny because we were trying to do this project on, on joy and I still don't know the answer to what joy is. Um, but personally, I think moments and things and people, just very tangible things in our lives give us happiness. You know, like, when you get Starbucks or your girlfriend calls you or you watch a movie or you see Obama on TV, like those things make you happy, right? Um, but I think joy is more of an innate thing. It's like you said, it's the things that get you through the tough moments. It's, it's 
it's family. It's um, knowing deep down that everything's going to be okay. Like, those things give you joy. But happiness, like you said, is very fleeting. You know, it comes and then it goes and then you have to go find it again. But joy is always with you, um, even in the very, very, very tough moments. So that's what I think it is. I'm going to pass it to Blossom. Um, I think this is this is our question. When I was thinking about it. I was like, sectioned it into three types of joy, but I feel like ugh, it can't really be be quantified. But I feel like there's individual joy, and I think joy joy is less fleeting than happiness. But I think on an individual and communal level, it can still be not long-term, but like individual joy can be like, I don't know, something as simple as like, what, like you were saying, like, uh, like what get, gets you through like the moment right now. So like sometimes like a show like is what gets you through right now um, on an individual basis or I don't know, I can't think of something else, but I feel like on a, there's also like community joy. I think a community joy is like, I don't know, like if there's like a function, like a block party or like something like, I think that's community joy, but I feel like there's a third, this is what I was talking about. This doesn't make any sense, but I think of like third, which is like perpetual joy, which is about like, which affects both community and individual joy. And I think perpetual joy is one thing that is, 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 supposed, is supposed to be constant, but isn't. And I think perpetual joy, like we can, you can grasp individual joy, you can grasp community joy in moments and events, but perpetual joy, I think, is something in this world that, that doesn't, I mean, for many communities, doesn't exist because of, like, capitalism and, like, all these things. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would define joy. I think joy people, like, are, seems to be, like, like, I think perpetual joy is something that doesn't exist because, like, we live in a world where people are actually, like, made to hate themselves and, like, are that idea is reinforced, like, via the resources people are given and the messages people are sent. And so, like, it's actually impossible for there to be perpetual joy in that kind of, in that kind of world. Um, but, yeah, that's what I think. Oh, and I pass it to... Is Elana right? Oh wait, it's because the circle. Yeah. In my thing, it's 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 like a square, but it's okay. Yeah, on Zoom, it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, these are incredible answers. Um, (laughs) how do I define joy? Uh, I think I personally tie joy to. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was I tie joy to to comfort. Uh, something that things that I can like fall back on that that bring me joy um, like running uh, it just it feels good it feels right um, but then I also I was also thinking about joy in terms of um, like how Blossom was talking about it with community and I was thinking a lot about the community of people like the circle of people I have around me and and when they're successful yes I'm happy for them but there's, it's deeper than that. And it's, it's just this, like, this overwhelming, like, gladness and deep appreciation for these people and the hard work that they put in. 
Um, and I think that would, for me, define joy or like my family, same thing when they're successful. Um, it's just this warm feeling that, that feels right. Um, yeah, I guess I would just like piggyback off what everyone else said. I don't, <laughs> um, yeah. And I think, I think specifically, I think a lot about my mom when I think about joy, um, because she's she's you know a strong black woman uh, who's who's faced some tough times, but but she's powered through everything, and and she's still like the warmest person I know. And so I think a lot about joy in like that sense, where it's like you can give other people that feeling, and if they can get it off of you, then yeah, a lot of mumbo jumbo coming from me, but <laughs> I, I pass to Alana. <laughs> It wasn't mumbo jumbo at all. Um, I think that, yeah, I've been thinking about a lot of the same things, you know, fleeting versus more sustained joy. Um, and I think what I ultimately kind of define it as or associate it with is feeling present. And I think also with that, connection and appreciation for life in its many different forms like I feel like a lot of my joy comes from yeah connections with people um connections with nature and connections with myself so that's how yeah I've been thinking about it yeah but also just piggybacking off off of everything else everyone has said um yeah, so pass back to Kayla. Thanks. Wow, y'all came in with some heat with that. Let's go. Um, all right, the second round, we're going to talk about um, a little bit more, like what, what Blossom is bringing up with being in, um, all of us being Black. Um, how do we, as Black people, find or create joy in the world we're living in right now? Um, I mean, sorry to, to steal from Nate, maybe, but like the project we're working on right now, um, I think it's like any opportunity to uplift people who look like us and people who have been through similar things to us, like being successful and like doing their thing and being joyful um, is brings me joy. Um, it's something different about like looking at a hat like a hashtag on like visco or something of like black girl magic black boy joy and like seeing all these like smiling black people where you're like yeah i feel a little bit better i feel a little bit better today um so i just think uplifting each other as a community and like like that's what that's what we can do um and i'll fascinate um i mean for me earlier i was saying that you know, getting all my friends together and getting some 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 time with them, some face-to-face time with them has brought me joy. But um, really, all year, the thing that has brought me joy is just the fact that all around the world, and I think I sent a tweet about it recently, about, about how all around the world, it seems like we're all waking up to the fact that these elected officials or these people we put in, to positions of power to represent Ghana votes. Oh no, we lost him. Oh, oh there we go. Oh. 
Can you guys hear me? <laughs> you straight up, yeah, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just the, the one thing that's bringing me joy really is the fact that we're all collectively working hard towards fixing all our broken systems. And it doesn't feel like progress most of the time, right? It, it's, it's, it's a hard game of inches right now. Like you just get one yard and you take it and you gather yourself and you go back and you do it again. But that gives me so much joy because it makes me think, at least in a sense of euphoria, <laughs> that we as a society are actively trying to change our circumstances and those things do bring me joy. And obviously what kind of the project we're working on and the ideas that bounce in our heads in the group chat and, and you know seeing your happy faces on Zoom also brings me joy. Um, but yeah, those those are the kind of things that are bringing me joy. And also the funny thing is that during this pandemic is when I've made some of the coolest friends it's like very weird like i've met so many people during this pandemic than i would have going to a bar or like you know anything outside like i've met so many people online and, and we're all really really close now and share a lot of ideas that really push me to think about things outside the box so that also also brings me some joy uh, but i'm gonna go ahead and pass it to to me? Yep. So this is about how we or how Black people in general. Well, yeah, the question was, um, how mm-hmm. do we as Black people or you as an individual, as a Black individual, um, create or find joy in you. the world we're living in right now? Um, okay, I think it's a dual thing. It's kind of what, going back to what I was saying about the perpetual, perpetual joy, I think it's just hard because like, I just feel like it's hard because it's like, some people are like living constant states of trauma. Like some people, like if you don't have food every day, like that's a constant state of trauma. And, like, if you don't have, I don't know, if, like, people, like, if you live around a place where people get shot every day, that's a constant state of trauma. Or, like, I don't know. Or just, like, these are just my new examples. Or, like, if you, like, worry about, like, how are you going to pay the rent, like, that's a constant state of trauma. (sighs) And I feel like under those conditions, like, so many people live under those conditions. And so it's, like, perpetual joy or, like, I don't know is not it's just hard in a to find joy because like those are those are structural problems like th- like it's not even like that's like an individualized thing it's like oh you don't have food because of colonialism or you don't have food because of white supremacy you don't have food because of because of like big things and so it's like it's a thing of like you're being stripped of joy because of a material reason like you don't have food but also like a structural reason like you don't know how to not like how to not to get to get food because you either have to like grind really hard, which is also traumatic, or like have a revolution, which is like a lot <laughs> and takes a lot of time and like is just like whatever. So it's just, I think it's just difficult. I just think, I don't know. It's just, I was just thinking like just small things. Like we listen to songs, like rap songs and people are like free all my G's and they name like 10 people. Like 
you know 10 people in jail like those are your friends like it's just just small things but i think at the same time it's possible to 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 have like community based interventions into those conditions like 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 i think I mean, just I mean, sorry, I'm a Gemini. So just community events are everything, and also just, we're still just all black. So like community events are everything, and like I think community spaces, like, oh yeah, I think I mean for me, like, I don't know, it's just common ground, like music, dance, like it's just like it's those are interventions, and it's it's like resistance, but I also think at the same time another source of joy is like hope, and like just like kind of logical hope because sometimes I'm like. Look at everything that's happening in the world. I'm like, this is a lot. I'm like, this is intense. At the same time, I think like nothing is invincible. Like white supremacy isn't God. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Christopher Columbus isn't God. Like all these things aren't like, they can die. So it's just to say that like, I think a source of joy is the fact that like the things that make people, like they traumatize people every day that make people unhappy can also be destroyed like eventually. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um no that's that's a really interesting point of like uh accessibility and joy um together um and like sort of being intertwined um i i, I was thinking about like how do how do we as black people find or create joy um for me, I think it's really powerful to see, you know, on social media, on the internet, us hyping people up and celebrating their successes. But I think what brings, like, for me, the most joy with other Black people is when I, like, hype them up in person and celebrate them when we're, like, in front of each other. Because um, there's nothing like seeing the smile on someone's face or seeing pure joy in someone else. Uh, when when they finally do something or reach a certain goal that they wanted to achieve, um, so I think I think definitely more of that uh, uh, can spread more joy. Um, and there's this group at RISD called Black Artists and Designers, which shamefully this year I have not had enough time to go to or um, to meet with. But that that when I when I used to go, that was a huge sense of joy because um, at Rizzi, there's a seriously small number of black artists um, and and all of us are incredibly powerful. And, and this summer um, there was there was this huge call uh, on Zoom and, and all a lot of faculty was there. And I think it was I think they made it mandatory that all heads of departments were there, but it was basically super, super uh, courageous black women specifically that spoke up uh, and spoke out against what was the, the lack of black faculty at RISD. Um, and that, and to see actual change and, it, and it's slow um, and it's not, what we want with the institution and it doesn't live up to 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 the things these people were talking about but to know that we're at least semi being heard that's that's joyful um and that brings me joy um so i think i mean i think to round it out just creating joy by 
you know, having these in-person interactions and celebrating uh, the how courageous people really are being and have been um, and not be afraid to just one, speak out, but two, hype them up for it. Because today, these days, it's hard. It's hard to speak out, um, especially against internet trolls or with the fear that there will be internet trolls. Um, yeah. Pass to Alana. Thanks. Um, yeah, well, such incredible answers from everyone. I think that something that I've been thinking a lot about is finding and supporting black owned businesses um, and celebrating black people in that way. I think just finding them alone brings me a lot of joy because there are so many products and services that I found where I'm just like, I have never actually thought about this product, like centering a black person or um, black woman in that experience. Like I've never seen that. Um, and I'm now, yeah, just realizing that I never seen that and of this product is perfect. And um, yeah, so also just seeing the creativity and the effort and the message that goes into that. Um, so I think that brings joy in terms of the progress and putting black people back into the narrative. Um, so yeah, that's been bringing me a lot of joy is finding those companies and supporting them. And I feel like even um, just as when Kayla and I were driving back up through Texas, like if we're gonna eat out, we're gonna try and find a black place. And we did, and it was incredible. Um, so I think that during these hard times, especially with small businesses and things like that, um, it's been a tangible way, at least for me, in supporting the community and celebrating black joy and creativity and all of that. So yeah, I'll pass back to Kayla. Thanks, um, Alana. And I, I can't believe you're gonna say all that. And oh yeah, that that's it. <laughs> yeah. And that at a cybersecurity yeah. firm, like let's go. <laughs> um, really incredible. Um, but yeah, I kind of want to talk a little bit more about something Blossom brought up of, about like the power of joy, like joy is resistance, um, which I think is like both a, uh, something like an everyday resistance. Um, I just think there's sometimes like there's, there's certain places that you can be where people, why people are just mad that you're happy in their place. You know what I mean? Like this is a, this is somewhere like or you're successful in somewhere that they've like dominated for so long and you're happy and you're successful there. And they're just like mad about it. And that is like such great resistance to me. Like, um, I love that. I think, um, yeah, just being joyful alone is, is an act of resistance and wanting to hear y'all's thoughts on that. So I will pass to Nate. Um, yeah, I, I think I do. I do agree with the statement that the black joy is also resistant, especially because over time there hasn't been a space to actually show that. Um, 
and I was actually, this is crazy because I was having this conversation uh, with Pache and, and my friend Alexis who lives here because um, we watched, we watched like four different political things yesterday <laughs> and this is supposed to be vacation. Um, but we, uh, we watched Chappelle's special um, and then we watched an ep- the episode of my next guest into introduction with Chappelle and then we watched Obama on the shop, which is awesome. Just like seeing everything on TV, um, and then we watch Sticks and Stones, and I think the theme, you know, across that I got from it was that, um, you know, change is an immediate. Like it's not like you're gonna wake up one day and then everything's fixed. Like you just gotta, like I said, like it's an inches and yards game. Like you run the ball, you get your two yards, you get up, you go back, you drop another play. You run the ball. Sometimes you're going to get sacked. Like, you're not going to get the ball where you want it. And it sucks, but you're not at the 25-yard line anymore. You're at the 50-yard line. So when you get sacked, you're going back three yards or something like that. Um, And I I think we sometimes lose focus of how much we're doing and we have done. And we get caught in how – like, we get caught in the destination. You know where this utopian world is, and and how everything's supposed to be fixed. We get caught in, that. and I think it's very important to remind ourselves that this is what we want to get, but we shouldn't forget how much work we're putting in now, and how we're gonna get there. And this all crazy, but my mind does this weird thing, so you guys should stick with me. Um, <laughs> but I'm also reading this book called The Defining Decade, um, and it's about you know people in their 20s and how it. it being in your 20s is so emotionally and mentally draining because especially in this time, like you see people who are very successful in their 20s and then you see people who are grinding it out and you're grinding it out, but you're like, why am I not here? And maybe you're not even an envious or jealous person, but naturally your reaction is like, how do I get to this place instead of focusing on what is happening right in front of you? Um, But what I was trying to connect that to is back to just how much progress we're making shouldn't be overlooked because we're not in the end or we're not at the end of the road. And that gives me joy. Like the fact that we're actively fighting and not giving up gives me so much joy. And I was so disappointed in myself yesterday because I was like, if we do all of this and Trump wins, like I give up. And I, as I said that out loud and immediately was like, that's not okay. Like you can't just give up because, you know, things are not looking the way we want it to look. Like even after the election, I'm going to say when uh, Biden wins, like there's still more work to be done. There's still climate change to be fought for. There's still all kinds of rights to fight for. There's still abolishing or sadly reforming police. There's just so many things that should be done. And those things fighting for those things and trying to make a perfect world for us and our kids and our kids' kids brings me joy. Um, Knowing that we're all not going to let up on the fight, you know, we're going to keep fighting until, you know, we're we're dead, um, sadly, but we're still creating a world that's, that's perfect. And I always say that I think life is a continuous improvement project. Like, it doesn't just end after you have one meeting and say, oh, hey, if we label all the boxes, we won't mix it up. Like, someone's going to mix it up. You have to 
relabel and come up with new ideas on how to improve society. So um, that's what I think. I think I went on a rant there, but <laughs> that's, that's what that's what I've got. I'm gonna go ahead and pass it to, to Blossom. Um, this is on joy being resistance. Um. Yeah, or the power I of joy. Think... Yeah. Hmm. What do I think? I think that I almost, I almost feel like I think black joy. I yeah. I like. Yeah, I agree that it is resistance. But I almost feel like I almost I, I, I almost want to be like, why is whiteness like the center, and then like anything that's like joyful in spite of it is resistance which it is still it is still but i'm just kind of like if i'm at, like at a place and like a song comes on or whatever and i'm with black people and we start dancing or something and the white people look at us right like strangely i'm like you you like i'm like this like you looking at me is resistance to what i'm doing like i'm like you're resisting me like i'm like you're interrupting me so no but i i, I still agree that it's resistance because I, I mean i know especially i mean especially i think about high school or just life in general, but just like if you're in a place that makes you feel hyper visible or like makes you feel like you're doing too much, like doing, still doing you in that place is like inherently has to be resistance. Um, I also just think Black Joy's resistance is, is actually a thing that can be, a, that actually has, it has been like, is being whatever applied to like actual resistance, like protests and stuff. Um, because like, like I feel like that challenges or like seeing like black people like have like like I don't know poems and like music and like dance at protests and things like that, or like conveying like emotions via or like conveying like dissent via art and like using art at I don't know I'm saying a lot of things using art at moments of dissent and conveying dissent via art if that makes sense I think that is like the like a mo like such a clear manifestation of of joy being resistance like at the protests that we had in Lagos like these past weeks specifically at Lekki or is one area and they were it's it's a toll gate and people like I think it was on a Monday or was I think it was on a Monday it was on a Monday people like linked hands occupied the entire place and like that 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 place produces so much revenue for the state and specifically one man named Tinubu produces, produces so much revenue for him. Um, and people blocked it off because they wanted like to draw attention to like the cause of like ending SARS, which is like what's trending now. Um, and like literally like within days, like there was like a stage and there were like MCs, there were DJs, like there were tents. Like it was, it was actually so mad. It was so mad. And like, it got to the point where people were like, y'all having too much fun. Like you've lost the plot, like pay attention. But like, it would be, it was, it's like, it was, it was different. Like, there, but it was like, there'd be like, like liberation music and they'd be like, play like Fela Kuti and then they'd play like, they play like Tupac ones and they'd play like, it was, it was, it, that's, that's, that's enough. That's how I see it now. Like, like protest doesn't have to look one way and like dissent doesn't have to look one way. Um, and I think if you're able to do it in a way that like keeps you happy and like sustains you, that's, against white supremacy because white supremacy doesn't want you to be happy. So yeah, that's what I think. 
Which games is next? Yeah. <laughs> There's always so much to unpack with what you say. <laughs> sorry. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. Um, um, yeah, I was thinking about a Facts. lot in there. Because, um, like, the, the saying, happiness is the best revenge. Um, patriotism or dissent is patriotic. Um, is specifically looking through, like, an American lens, at least. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was, I feel like there's a lot I could say to that, but I was thinking a lot about my experience. Um, and, and my mom always told me that we're expected to black people specifically, um, are expected to behave in a mm. certain way. Um, and we're expected to look a certain way, dress a certain way, uh, and I mean, I grew up in an all white neighborhood, all white town, like the North suburbs of Chicago are just like all white. Mm. Um, um, and kids would tell me all the time, well, you're not really black. You don't talk like a black person, um, usually using the N word. And they'd just be like, well, you can't really say it. And I'm just like, okay. It's a Tuesday at 8 a.m. I don't need this. <laughs> no, it would be a Tuesday at 8 a.m. though. <laughs> um, but uh, I think I think for me, joy uh, uh, as resistance. Um, I mean, I think something like right now, something as simple as my afro. Um, I think, I think, you know, there's so many icons you know, black icons that have had afros. And my, and my mom, when I was growing up, uh, never really wanted me to grow out my hair because I, I think it was just because she wanted me to fit in. Uh, she didn't want me to feel different or be treated any different because we can, you can't control the color of your skin, but you can control, you know, your hair. Um, and to an, a certain extent for some people, at least me coming from a privileged background, I could control how I dressed. Um, but now uh, I'll have so many people, specifically in Providence, and then I lived in New York uh, a few summers ago. Um, so many, and not only black people, just people of color would be like, dude, nice Afro. <laughs> like, like they would, and they would love it. And, and it was like, I never got a compliment from white people until it was them trying to touch my hair being like, is it soft? And I'd be like, like it's soft, but you can't touch it. You know, <laughs> they, they love that. <laughs> they love that part. Um, but I think, I think, especially coming to RISD, um, just being able to express myself, uh, and I think, you know, who I am in general uh, subverts a lot of uh, stereotypes that people hold about Black people, um, and this, this. And I don't, I don't even know if I would call it resistance necessarily. Um, I hope it is. Um, <laughs> but just, just this radical, this radical desire and, and need at all times to just like express yourself and be around people who do the exact same thing um, to just kind of ignore these stereotypes that people hold um, and expectations. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that's my form of resistance, and and always speaking my voice against the people who are just like, oh, I didn't know that you could do that, that you could dress like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> or like, I didn't know your hair would do, that. or 
it's always like people are always surprised um like when i when i first came to RISD, i had shorter hair um so they were surprised that my hair grew straight out and not down i was just like <laughs> i was like what <laughs> first of all a weird thing to be surprised about <laughs> <laughs> second of all like why doesn't your hair grow up caleb like <laughs> no period. 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 <laughs> Um, uh, but, but yeah, yeah, fast to Alana. Yeah. <laughs> I'm crying. That's also true. Yeah, I was gonna also talk about it. Um, from the hair standpoint, I was thinking a lot about Tashara Parker, the TV anchor who had her hair in um, uh, some kind of uh, black hairstyle, traditionally black hairstyle, and received a lot of backlash for it for not being professional. So I think that, I mean, she made a whole speech about it, um, which was incredible. And I think she talked a lot about, yeah, like who defines what is professional. And I think that black joy and celebrating, um, yeah, our hairstyles and our different textures and the versatility that comes with that is going to be resistance. So I think that then bleeds into the fact that just being who we are and celebrating ourselves and the many different shades and textures that come with that is, yeah, seen as um, resilient, not resilient, rebellious um, and resistant because the standard is white. So yeah, going off what you said too, Gabe, I was then thinking about my experience with my hair. I have a, um, I think a lot of privilege with my hair in terms of um, what people deem as good hair. I truly believe that all black hair is beautiful and good, but there are obviously Eurocentric views on that. Um, but even just when I went to, well, Kayla and I went to a resume review with this lady, she was talking about our LinkedIn photos. We both had our hair out that day and she said, yeah, just make sure when you get your LinkedIn photo done, you just like tie your hair back, pull it back and tidy it up and stuff. So um, yeah, just thinking that something so basic to me, you would never tell a white girl to tie her hair back into right. a ponytail that my curls right. are seen as untidy and messy um, and me, yeah, just being who I am and celebrating myself is offensive in some way or not good enough. So um yeah i think that a lot of black resistance comes through yeah just our hairstyles and celebrating ourselves in the many different forms and then i think that also goes into yeah the many different forms that black people come in um like i also grew up in a space where even white australians were expecting me to be somebody that I wasn't and a black stereotype. And um, so pushing back against that, who says I can't be black and, you know, nerdy? Like, why can't black people be nerdy? Like, and um, so I think, yeah, also resistance is just like appreciating all the different types of people that black people can be and qualities that we have and there is no right way to be. And that's beautiful, you know? Mm -hmm. so. I just want a quick footnote mm -hmm. with what um, 
Gabriel said about his hair. First of all, I'm super jealous because I can't grow an afro. Like <laughs> your hair grows straight hair. down. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, get off the call. Oh, no, go straight down. Gets, get off the call. Uh, it gets thicker instead of longer. Mm. Oh, I so I instead of length, it just gets like the strands themselves yes. get bigger, yes. which is upsetting. Yes, because I can't grow an afro. I've tried, but like, <laughs> it's not working at all. Um. So that sucks. Uh, the other thing that I, I wanted to point out is that um, I do agree that just the black, honestly, black existence is rebellion and it sucks that it has to be that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I don't want to wake up every day with that on my shoulder, you know, because mm-hmm. that's daunting and traumatic and very heavy to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like, just being black, it, we should get free therapy <laughs> just, just because of that. <laughs> um, so that that is is something that sucks, but the is the fact that even in these moments of extreme stress and pressure and the system not being for you and all those things, you still find a way to be the most happy, joyful, innovative people in the world like I, I, I've, I've everything I've consumed since I was a kid was a direct innovative piece by a black person and I might not have known at that time but when I found out it was a black person that did it and so that those things do breed joy and and they I think should should be something that we should always think about like hey like despite all these things. Can you imagine if the status quo was black? Like what we would get done, you know? We would we would break down doors and, and do so many things that we couldn't even imagine because even on all this stress and being set back thousands of years because of people who thought, you know, discovering land was something they did, we still have been able to be ahead of the pack. So that's that's something I wanted to say, and I also wanted to say that I love all black people, and I love you guys. Mm-hmm. This is awesome. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said about how we also express our joy, and that like we all do it in such different ways. And like for Gavitz is Afro, and like for me, that's gonna be bringing my favorite people into a space and like chatting um it's gonna be smiling when i'm walking down the street or you know whatever else and yeah i don't know it's just so beautiful that like as diverse as black people are we have our diverse ways of showing joy oh and the head nod let's not forget that I love that. <laughs> when I'm walking with a bunch of white people and then we see a black person <laughs> and I nod and mouth back and I'm like, y'all can't do it. <laughs> this is our thing. <laughs> it's like, do you know that guy? No, no, I've never seen him in my life. I also think so, yeah. one thing that, that uh, and I, I don't, it's never really talked about, um, at, least, at least in my, um, that always brings me joy is you know, when I have uh, a black shoulder to lean on, um, when something happens, there's always this deeper sense of empathy. Mm. Uh, 
that that it may be something that's not related to race at all, but but there's this this deep deep sense of empathy, even if I'm like barely close to the person. Um, just just this level of understanding that I don't I don't really know how to describe past empathy. Um, but yeah, I wonder what you guys think about that, uh, especially especially around um, like big events like like the election um, or police brutality. Um, this just unspoken bond of past history and collective history. Um, and I guess that I mean specifically to the United States. Um, yeah, I, I guess I wonder what what your guys' thoughts on that is. Um, it's funny because yesterday I was after we finished the whole Obama thing, I was telling everyone that we all kind of need a big hug from a grandma, yeah. like just a random black grandma who really knows how to make like black food, <laughs> like just a hug. Cause you know, like you know what you know what grandma I'm describing. Like you could see her there. It's it might not be your actual grandma, but you know which grandma I'm describing. And I think, and I don't know if it's that case for you guys, but that grandma hug has been passed on to our parents and then to us, and we pass it on to our friends, and they pass it on to their friends kids and their nephews and nieces and all those things. Um, and that hug just lets you know that, like, I understand. Like, I'm not feeling that way maybe right now, but I understand why you feel that way. And it's very difficult to describe. That's why I use the grandma hug, <laughs> because I think that's the closest thing to it. But like you said, there's this deep sense of empathy, which isn't taught in a lot of places. I mean, I'm from Ghana, so like where I grew up, it was always like, you know, look to the person to your left. Are they okay? Like we I lived in a very small community, like it was a small village. You know, we were doing pretty well in life, but we lived in a village. Um, because my parents wanted to like give us that like go to the farm life and like just give you the very hard skills. So we lived in a place where I knew every single neighbor. Everyone knew each other. And if one person was going through something, the entire community was going through something. And sadly, when I moved here, that wasn't the experience. Like, there's this strained relationship between people, whether it's because of fear or because of socioeconomic status or whatever it is. Like, there's just this not community sense here. But with Black people, even something as simple as a head nod creates that community, right? So when you meet a random black person and you're having a conversation, that person just understands because there's there's this shared experience, um, even though you're not necessarily from the same place. So that's what I think it is. It's just again the grandma hug that has been passed on so much, you know, because we all do have this common experience regardless of location that influences us to be able to understand others as well as offer a shoulder to cry on. Um, that's what I think. I'm not too sure if that's the correct answer, but <laughs> that's, that's my perspective on that. Cool. Um, so as I mentioned before, the Black Future Project is working on joy. Um, 
please follow us on Instagram at the dot black dot future dot project. A little bit long, but you got it. Um, shoot us a DM if you want to be a part of it. Um, we would love all y'all's lovely black joy to fill this volume. Um, shout out <laughs> to my wonderful guests. Y'all, we could sit here for another hour and talk about all this, bringing up, making me think about so many different things. Um, and I appreciate y'all opening your hearts, sharing your experiences with us today. Um, and to our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Your wonderful host, Randy, will be back next week for a brand new episode of Planted Never Buried.